I told Judy, I think it's my turn. Are you glad to be here tonight? We genuinely are glad. And it was a good day in Dorisville Baptist. It really was. And uh, we're very grateful for that. Uh, we want What we want to kind of do tonight, and I've kind of picked this up as something we've done. One day we'll probably go back and finish up the end part of Luke. Um, but I kind of like following up the evening service and the evening services. The kind of the concept of what we um, talked about this morning, kind of re-cementing that in our hearts. And of course now, in, in this case, the whole theme is going to be Thanksgiving. Johnny did a great job. The committee did a good job of, of putting that together tonight with the Thanksgiving theme. And I want to kind of just go back one more time. That middle, I think, is First Thessalonians 5.14. Remember now, you're supposed to impress your friends, where it says, Rejoice always. Rejoice, And that's the shortest Greek verse in the New Testament. You got that now? You're going to blow your teacher's mind when you tell them that. They're going to think you're so smart. Okay? But how that, I really thought it was important, you know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything, how inclusive that was and how important those things are. Let's just talk about just about for a minute. Rejoice always, because that means in everything. Amen? That means in everything. Now, here's what I did. I, we were singing, praise him, praise him. And this is good, because some of y'all don't know this story. You need to know it. That was written by Fanny Crosby. Fanny wrote, like, dozens of hymns that we sing in, in our hymn book today. But here's what's incredible, okay? When she was a young girl, um, she had an eye infection, and the doctor put the wrong drops in her eyes. Remember we were talking about right medicine, wrong medicine? He put the wrong medicine in her eyes. And I want to say acid, that's probably not right, but something as strong as that, and it blinded her. So she was not born blind. She was made blind by a doctor's mistake, all right? Now, here's what's incredible. She wrote these words. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in heaven. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. His arms, he, in His arms, He carries them all day long. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him ever in joyful song. And the other two verses are just as powerful as that. And I want you to think about that she wrote that song in the midst of the knowledge that she was totally blind, not partially blind, totally blind by at the hand of a doctor who made a mistake. And yet she still could write hymns like praise him, praise him. Now, when the Bible says, one, give thanks in everything, but also says rejoice always, that's what it's talking about. We should not be controlled by our circumstances. No matter how gross, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult they are, if we truly know Jesus Christ as Savior, if we're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, then we should be able, in the most difficult circumstances, to say, praise you, God. I trust you, God. I love you, God. So rejoice always. Notice there, inclusive, in all circumstances. Pray constantly. Live in an attitude of prayer. Thank God for the small things. Yes, every morning, well, six out of seven mornings, when I get my contact in right, I say, thank you, Lord, that was a good one. And we laugh, we go, but I really mean it. It's not a habit. Um, it's not something I do out of routine. Roadly, roadly. I don't do it out of routine. I'm grateful that once again, I was able to stick my finger in my eye. You know, and not do damage. I'm just really grateful for that. So learn to thank God for the small things. When, 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 you, have a, when you find a parking place, uh, and then and the larger things also, when the doctor, you get a good report, when things go better than you expected. But at the same time, learn to say thank you when things don't go well. 
knowing that your Father is in control of your circumstances, you are not a victim of chance. You're not a victim of just things happening. Your life is in the control and you are in the hands. You're in much better hands than all state. You're in the hands of Almighty God. And then, in everything, give thanks. Learn to say thank you even for the most difficult things. How many of y'all could say this tonight? And your darkest hour is when you learn the greatest lessons about God in life. Yeah, that's why, see, that's why we can say thank you for those things. Because God, Romans 8, 28, He has the ability to take the most difficult things and bring good and glory to His name. Now, I asked you, and I didn't have a chance to check this, but as you know, the verse goes like this, you know, rejoice always, okay, um, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Comma, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Okay? I asked Judy, and I didn't have a chance to check it, but it seems like that this is the will of God doesn't pertain just to giving thanks. Yes, it pertains to that, but also pertains, it's God's will that we learn to live in an attitude of prayer. But also means it's God's will that we learn to rejoice always. These are things, and these are things that help us show Jesus to a lost and dying world. All right. Now, I thought it would be kind of fun tonight, and I do mean fun, to go back and look at a, a citadel of, of gratitude and thanksgiving in the Old Testament. Okay. Now, I, I checked to make sure I have my reference right. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the New Testament version of this. That's the Macedonian churches when they were poorer than dirt. And they heard that the saints in Jerusalem were having a, a, even a harder time than them. And they came to Paul and said, Paul, we want to give. And Paul basically said, you can't afford to give. Please, they said, please do not deprive us of this blessing. We want to give. And it just blew Paul's mind that in their deep affliction, their deep poverty, they were so willing to give. And you want to know why? They were overwhelmed with gratitude over what God had done for them. Now, the Old Testament version of that is 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you want to take your Bibles and turn there. 1 Chronicles 29. Now, this thing has 22 verses, and y'all know it's normal for me to take 8 verses and preach 45 minutes, so this could be dangerous. But really what I want to do is, I just want to read through this tonight and make a few comments, because I find it just incredible passage of Scripture about King David, and he's hearing the end of his life and what he has done for the temple, and then how God uh, uses that and blesses that in, in a great way. I want you to notice, though, how he gives glory to God for everything. In other words, David is saying, God, in everything, I give you thanks. In everything, I give you thanks. And I'm telling you, this is a life-changing thing. And once again, a, a, uh, a disclaimer, if you will, I'd like to tell you that Dwayne's mastered this part, but I, I've got to be honest with you and tell you there are very few parts of the Christian life that I would just nail down and say, I have got it down pat. I have arrived. I don't have very many of those areas. I want you to be honest with you. And I'm finding out that I'm not by myself, that if you're a normal Christian, but you are making progress in these things. So often I find myself not being grateful enough because I look at someone else and I go, but God, they got that. And, they, and God says, Dwayne, I'm time out. Look what you've got. Look how I blessed you. And learn, Dwayne, to give thanks and everything. The story goes like this. Again, I'll read and make a few comments. Now, I wrote down first off, just, again, we're very informal Wednesday nights, totally different Sunday morning. I wrote down on your behalf. And here's what I mean by that. 
Then, now, now the, the idea is, again, David's about done, okay? And he's preparing for the building of the temple. God said, you can't build the temple because you're a man of war. There's blood on your hands. It's going to be left to your son to build the temple. So David said, well, if I can't build the temple, I can at least make provision for the temple. And that's what this is about. Then King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, God has chosen him alone, is young and inexperienced, and he was. The task is great because the temple will not be for man, but for the Lord God. Time out right there. The task is great because the temple is not for man. The temple is for God. What David was attempting to do was not for his glory or for anybody else's glory. It was for the glory of God. Learn the lesson, church. What we should be doing and what we do at Dorsville Baptist Church, our ministry, our, our philosophy, our concept, must not be for our glory. It must be for the glory of God. And because it's for the glory of God, and we, we, we struggle here, we need to do our best. We, we some... I, boy, I've never said this to you before. Over the 11 years I've been a part of our church, you know... We have a, what I almost call the Dorsville mentality. And that is, that is, we have a tendency to let the building go. We have a tendency to do this, you know, well, you know, this, you know, that. You know what? This is God's house. And it should look the best. Not so everybody walks in and goes, Woo, shoot that thing, what a building. But because it's God's house. And the ministry we do should be best. God does not deserve second best. He deserves our best in everything that we do for Him. I don't care if you're preaching on Wednesday night or Sunday night or Sunday morning. He deserves our best. I don't care if you're teaching to five or teaching to forty. He deserves the best. I don't care if you're parenting one kid or five kids. He deserves your best. The psalm says it. Hear ye the Master's call. Every work for Jesus will be blessed. Give our best. All right? All right, here we go. Verse 2. So to the best of my ability, there it is, to the best of my ability, I've made provision for the house of my God. Gold for the gold, articles, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx. Stones for mounting. Antimony. And best I can tell, that's turquoise, in case you want to know, because I sure didn't know what it was. Uh, turquoise. Stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and a great quantity of marble. Now, what David does here, he basically said this, As the king of Israel and Judah, this is what I have done. I have taken, I have taken from the national treasure, and I have given on your behalf and on my behalf. This is very, I think, very comparative to what you do when you write a budget check to our church. When you, write a, when you write the undesignated offering to the church, you are supporting the ministry of the church. All right? You're, you're saying, this is for the, what I believe in at Dorset. And I hope you believe in our church. Come on. I, I hope you believe in our church. I hope you believe in the ministries of our church. I hope you believe in the vision of our church and how we're trying to reach our corner of Harrisburg and beyond. I hope you believe in that. And I hope you show that belief by giving faithfully through it to, bud, to the budget offerings of our church. So the ministries and beyond can be funded. And part of that is the cooperative program. And some of y'all go, cooperative what? And I don't have time to go into great detail, but basically, ten and a half cents of every dollar you give that's undesignated, all right, goes to the cooperative program. We send it to IBSA, and they keep, and I'm going to give a rough number, they, they, they keep like 47% for reaching Illinois, 
and they send 43 cents on up, and it goes to the Foreign Mission Bill, uh, the International Mission Board, the Home Mission Board, North American Mission Board, goes to the seminaries to help preachers be trained. It goes. And every time you give to the budget dollar, that undesignated dollar, every time you drop them in the offering plate, 10.5 cents goes there. And, and that's your general way of giving. And that's a great thing to do. If you don't have offering envelopes, we'll be glad to give you some. If you've got, you know, if you have opportunity to have input into our budget, there's a, there's a box, a suggestion box. I think that perhaps we should consider funding these ministries uh, at Dorsville Baptist Church. Have a part in that and then faithfully give to the ministries of Dorsville Baptist Church. It's scriptural, Malachi chapter 3. Bring the tithes to the storehouse. Test me, try me, prove me, God says. All right? So David did this on his behalf, no, their behalf, but he acted as king. He says, this is my obligation. I feel obligated because I'm the king and because of the great God we serve to do this. Okay, you got that? You got that? Okay, now watch this. Verse 3 to 5. Moreover, additionally, he says, because of my delight in the house of God, pause, may I say, in the God of the house of God. He wasn't wrapped up in just the temple. He was wrapped up in the God of the temple. Come on now. He's wrapped up in the God of the temple. Because of my delight in the house of God, I now give my personal treasures. I love that. Because Jesus said, your heart follows your treasures. You know, David was a man after... God's own heart. And what does he do here? He gives his personal treasures. Where was David's heart? Chasing God. Folks, our heart needs to chase God. And I'll tell you, before you say, my heart does chase God, check your checkbook. I guarantee you, you can tell if your heart chases God by your checkbook and your calendar. I guarantee you. Because of my delight in the house of my God and the God of the house, I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver for the house of my God over and above that what I provided for the holy house. Now, as far as we know, these are accurate numbers. These are not wags. I know it's phenomenal to think about this amount now, but the Bible's true. David said, above what I've already done, personally for my treasure, I want to give a hundred tons of gold of the gold of Omar. 250 tons of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the buildings. The gold for the gold work and the silver for the silver for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. And then he said this, Now who will volunteer to consecrate himself to the Lord today? David gave far and above. And you know why? See, even if you give to our budget, our ministries here, there are other offerings. Coming up on a great season. Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Man, I'm telling you what, guys. You, read, you need to pray and give sacrificially. Every dollar you give. There's no promotion cost. Every dollar you give at Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to fund world missions. And there are over 1.6 billion people who have limited or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has said to Dorsville Baptist Church, we, I want you to have a part in that. Don't, please don't just throw five. Don't throw a ten. Say, God, what can I do 
to help in the area of missions. There's Annie Armstrong for reaching North America. There's a world hunger offering of which sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. And I promise you that's a phenomenal amount for any church in the state of Illinois. A phenomenal amount. Operation Christmas Child is coming up where you have the opportunity to fill a shoebox so that in Jesus' name, some child will have a ray of hope in his hopeless or her hopeless world. That's above. You don't take half your tithe and give it to Lottie. You give the tithe and then like David, give far and above. Why? Because of Calvary, guys. Oh, for a glimpse of hell. Oh, for a glimpse of... Just one look at the fires of hell and you pull your checkbook out so fast and start writing checks, we can stop it. But we don't have a glimpse of hell. We don't have a, we don't have a feeling of what it means to be eternally separated from God. Because if we did, we'd be far better witnesses, far better servants, and far better givers. David somehow got the glimpse. And he said, look, I've, as king, I've done this. But I'm going to tell you, I'm so grateful that God has blessed me, that, that I'm a child of God. I've got to do more. I've got to above. And then he challenged the, the leaders and said, now who's with me? Watch this. It gets better. Verse 6 through 9. Then the leaders of the households, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They, they saw the king and they said, well, man, we want to get on board with this. For the service of God's house, they gave 185 tons of gold and 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 4,000 tons of iron, which, by the way, was very valuable in those times. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasure of the Lord's house under the care of J.L. the Gushanite. Then the people rejoiced because, now watch, the people now, the people rejoiced because their leaders willingness to give. For they had given to the Lord with a whole heart. Note that word, whole heart, not divided heart, a whole heart. King David also rejoiced greatly. So we're talking about, they had an offering, folks, and the people just gave an incredible amount of money. It was incredible. And they gave so willingly, they gave so out of joy, because they had a vision of what God had done for them. They gave thanks for everything and in everything. Pretty cool, huh? I said, I said a couple of weeks ago, I'll say it again, we're going to be having a finance committee meeting on November 16th. And by the way, as far as I know, we're the only church that I know of that is measurably ahead of budget this year. And I personally feel there's a connection between being ahead of budget and our missions giving. I think God honors that. God honors that. I'm not saying he has to. I'm just saying he's chosen to in our church. It's just what he's done. It's an incredible thing. So, so we have this incredible offering. Imagine the, at November 16th, the finance committee meeting going, what are we going to do with all this money, guys? How, how many trips to Africa can we fund? You know, we'll be having Mark Homschult come in on, on, D, on November 27th. You know, he's trying to reach some populated areas. And he's going to come in and share part of his ministry with us. How, how can we get involved with that? What areas, you know, how, how, can we give, how can we send more money to world hunger? How can, we, how can we help more people in the Berg? Come on, come on, come on. Not just Africa, not just Haiti, not just the world. Right here. How can we, you know, maybe we could, someone said, I think we all build a house for widows. Imagine having the money to do that. And I promise you, as we are more and more obedient, as we get a glimpse of Calvary, and if we could get a glimpse of hell, 
man, the coffers would overflow with showing people showing their gratitude to the great God. Now, it gets even better than that. Verse 10 through 13. Then David praised the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. There's a time for private worship and there's a time for public worship. This was a time for public worship. And here's what David said. May you be praised, Lord God, of our father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Now watch this. Not to me. I didn't cause what just happened to happen. Okay? Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on the earth belongs to you. Lord, yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as heaven all. Basically saying this, God, I didn't cause this. God, it's your greatness and your goodness. To you be honor. To you be glory. I refuse to be a glory stiller. I'm going to step back. And by the way, God, I'm just going to acknowledge that you are king and I am not. That's important. When one of the most powerful kings in that region bows down to the one true king, that's a powerful, powerful lesson. Would you say amen? And that's exactly what he does here. He says, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. Who am I? It's not, it's not about me. He goes on and says this. Power and might are in your hand. And it's your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks, gratitude, and praise for your glorious name. God, we just got to praise you. We, when we understand what you've done for us, we got to praise you. And oh, if we could see the cross, if we could see the blood, if we could, greater than that, if we could understand what it meant for the Son of God to become sin on our behalf, if we could understand that as the punishment for our sin was bullseyed on Jesus that day, and what we deserved, He took, then we would say this. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. We couldn't stop. We couldn't stop. You think He's done? There's a pause, a moment of pause. And then he says something that is so incredibly important. I referenced it this morning. Here it is again. Pause. But who am I? And who are my people? What humility. The greatest king ever to live in Judea and Israel, from whom loin, whose loins would come the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Generations later, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Wow. Not, God, thank you for what you gave. God, thank you for the privilege of giving. Who am I and who are these people that we have the right to so generously give to you? Isn't that incredible? Come on, folks. Is that incredible? Wow. And David was flesh and blood just like us. It's so incredible. But it gets better. Watch this. For everything, would you please say everything? Now, does that mean everything? Yeah, in the Hebrew, that means everything. In, In Japanese, it means everything. In German, it means everything. In Hawaiian pig, it means everything. Okay? For everything comes from you, 
And we have given you only what comes for your own hand. David says, I'm wise enough to know this. You are God. He fixes to say it in a bigger way. You are God and you own everything. And everything, God, 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 everything I am, everything I will be, everything I own, everything I'm going to own comes from you. In fact, God, let me put it to you this way. You see that big pile of gold over there? I simply gave back to you what was already yours. See, see we go, well, bless God. I gave God this. You just gave him back. And I'm just I'm sure you I'm just telling you what it says. Every time we write a check, we're just giving back what's already his. It's like if I borrow if I borrow Charlie's chainsaw and I go back and y'all keep it a while and I go back and say, Charlie, here's your chainsaw back. Charlie goes, Oh, thank you for this chainsaw. It's his. I simply gave back to him what he already had. If we could just understand that about the titles we own and the cars we drive and the houses and where we are in our station of life. Do you not know but by the grace of God it could be you on crack cocaine? But by the grace of God you could be an alcoholic down at, well, Vernon's closed and that's the only bar in town I know. Not only because it's by my house. I mean, it could be you there tonight. It, it could be you in darkness. But by the grace of God, guys. And so he says, everything we've done, that big pile, it just came from your own hand. And the bottom line is this. Now, I think this is pretty important. At first I almost left the, you know, I said, well, okay, there's nothing there, but there is. For we live before you as foreigners and temporary residents. Probably says aliens in the King James. In your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. I think that's why they could give, besides the gratitude factor. David said, we're only here for a little while. And I don't think they had U-Hauls back then, but David was not going to hook up his U-Haul to his, his chariot and ride off into the sunset. It wasn't going to happen, guys. How, you know, how much do you leave? All of it. And I think the reason they could give so liberally is because in their culture, life was so fragile. They didn't presume upon next year, like our friends in Africa, Judy. They don't presume upon next year. They don't presume upon two weeks because their culture, their life is so fragile. And I think David and them realized, we're so temporary here. So why we can't hang on to it? Because the truth is, we'd not be here tomorrow. Back in those days, all it took was a stub toe and infection and you were dead. Life was temporal. We need that attitude. That's a good place for an amen. We need that attitude. We need to hold loosely the things of this world, but cling to Jesus for life. Hold loosely the things of this world, but cling to Jesus for life. He goes on and says this. Yahweh, again, one of the reasons I love the Holman Christian Standard. You know, if you like being Baptist, this is published by the Southern Baptist. Now, I'm not saying that makes it right or I'm just saying if you like... If you say, boy, I'm proud to be a Baptist, this is, this is the publication of, of uh, the Lifeway organization, and this is, but they use Yahweh. You know, they, they said when they translated this, they said, what, since we know God's personal name in Hebrew, why would you not use it? And this is God's personal name, and they choose to use it. They could say, Lord, but it's Yahweh. Remember that. Yahweh, our God, all this wealth, how much? All this wealth. 
that we provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. Now, now he says this. Now he gets to preaching a little bit. I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you are pleased with what is right. Is that true? Very perceptive, David. Very perceptive. Okay? I have willingly given all these things with an upright heart and now I'm... Now I have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you. So he's saying this. Now, God, you know my heart. This wasn't about me. This wasn't so they put a plaque on the organ bench that said, David gave gold. Nor did the people give that way, God. You know, look, God examined our hearts. And you know we gave simply out of love to you. That's what he's saying there, okay? Now he goes on. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors and our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. This is huge. You know why David said that? He knows the danger. He knows the danger of pride when we say, look what we did. And he also knows the danger of losing that heart. You have to fight for a generous heart. You have to fight for a thankful heart. Dwayne does. I'll be honest with you, Dwayne does. I have that tendency of going, but I don't have this and don't have that. Man, we have to fight for a generous heart and fight for a thankful heart. He knew the danger. Lord, please guard this desire in our hearts. Make sure, God, that we hang on to this. And then he prays a prayer for his son. Give my son, give my legacy, Solomon, a whole heart. Now, how many masters can you serve? One, you can't, you can't serve with God fully with a, devoted, with a divided heart. You can't serve God fully with a divided heart. No man can serve two masters. He'll love one, hate the other, despise the one, or be loyal to the other. You can't serve God in this world. That's what Jesus said. He's saying, give my son a, a, not a fractured heart, but a whole heart. And, and sadly enough, it didn't happen. I often wonder if there's any correlation between the fact that Solomon was one of the richest men who ever lived and the sad story of the end of Solomon's life. I don't know. But this is a prayer that, that Solomon did not make come true. God wanted it for Solomon. David wanted it for Solomon. Solomon chose, Solomon chose poorly. As you know, his heart was divided by foreign women and, and wealth. Give my son Solomon a whole heart to keep and to carry out all your commands, your decrees and your statutes, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. God help him. And he did build a magnificent temple. Amen? But, but you know, there's something. I, I looked this up. I Googled this. I, I'm in my Bible program this afternoon trying to find this fact, and I couldn't find it. So I said, well, I'll just Google it. And guess what? Popped right up. Good old Google. It's interesting. In First Kings chapter 6, yeah. First Kings chapter 6, we read that Solomon took how many years to build his house? Take a wag. How many of y'all think five years? Ten years? How many of y'all think 13 years? He took 13 years to build his house. That's been an impressive place. Just a thought. How many years did it take him to build a temple? 
seven years. Do you just kind of wonder, Crystal, why it took him 13 to build his place and seven for God's? I mean, he could have a bigger work crew. But you just kind of wonder, given the outcome of Solomon's life. David so wanted a legacy, but Solomon made choices that that legacy really didn't pan out as God and David intended. One more section of Scripture. Verse 20 through 22. 20 through 22. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. I mean, he said, let's worship. I mean, you don't want me to have all the fun, do you? And so they just break into this huge worship scene over all that's happened. Praise the Lord your God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They bowed down and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. Watch this, though. The following day, now granted, they have this huge long church service. They come back the next day. And what do they do? Watch this. The following day, they offered sacrifices to the Lord and burnt offerings to the Lord. One thousand bulls, one thousand rams, and one thousand lambs. Along with, in addition to, their regular drink offerings and sacrifice in abundance for all Israel. This is just incredible. They give and they give and they acknowledge, God, it comes from your hand and who are we that we should be able to give? And they come back the next day and give a huge worship offering to God. They were just in love with God. And when we get in love with God, we see this kind of stuff happen. Amen. I mean, literally, listen, literally, literally, we don't take offerings, we receive offerings. Literally, we learn to be cheerful, hilarious givers. We find ourselves having conversations such as, how much can we give, honey, not what do we have to give. Incredible things happen. And then you have Thanksgiving Day. Here's how it closes. They ate and drank with great joy in the Lord's presence that day. Do you want to have an incredible Thanksgiving season? Why don't you take First Chronicles 29? Now, I'm not saying I'm going to do this. I'm just throwing it out to you. But as part of your quiet time, why don't you just read it from now to Thanksgiving? Just keep reading it. And ask God to open your heart, your mind, your thoughts to this incredible level of generosity and love and thanksgiving. Remember I said this morning that God doesn't give us the rules just so we can have a rule board in heaven, check, check, but He wants to lead us to a better life. This kind of gratitude and thanksgiving leads us to a better life. It leads us to a life of freedom. It leads us to a life that sets us free from bondage. And it's incredible. Would you bow your head, please, where you are? Isn't that a cool story? Now, by the way, we're talking about the Bible here. We're not talking about Reader's Digest. Those numbers are real. The story is real. Now, I don't know anybody here can give 100 tons of gold. But after all, you know what really, can I tell you a secret? You know, somebody once said, I think I've probably said it before, 
God doesn't want your money, doesn't need your money, but He desperately wants your heart. And it's just a fact that when there's a liberality, a generosity, and a thankfulness, it just shows up in our money. It just does. You know, you can say what a radical follower of Jesus you are and how much you're in love with Jesus, but if you're dropping two bucks in the plate, something doesn't line up. Guys, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest. I mean, this is a great barometer, a great indicator of where we are with God. So let's do a little heart exam tonight. Let's see, is our heart chasing after God? And is our heart following our treasures and are our treasures going to God? Or are they going to us? To us. Let's pray. Well, Father, wow. Wow. Thank you so much for this incredible story. As I taught it tonight, you're challenging me. You're stretching me. Please do the same for not only for me, for us. Help us to be, Father, obedient givers. Help us to be people that express our love for you, our commitment to you, in not only intangible ways, but tangible ways. Help us, bring us to the point where we are gracious, hilarious givers to you. I want to challenge us, Father, tonight before you that we be supporters of the ministry of Dorsville Baptist Church. But, Father, I know i got a lot of the backbones in the church here tonight. May we give above and beyond. May missionaries not lack on the foreign field because of our disobedience. May missionaries on the home front not lack because of our disobedience. May people in Harrisburg, Father, be fed because of our obedience. May they be clothed because of obedience. And Jesus, all the while that's happening, may they see you in us. Have your way, please. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.